This is episode five. You're the fifth, the fourth guest um, of, the, of the podcast, which is which is kind of exciting. We're getting up there, but um, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm no, fifth, fifth, fifth guest. Fifth, fifth episode. Guest. Fifth guest. We've already yeah. had Chico, Bear, Shan, and Shelby. So you are our fifth guest, You're third right. female. Cool. Okay. okay. Uh, Get, yeah. get your facts together, Tristan. Come on, man. You're supposed <laughs> you to be professional, man. Let's go. <laughs> hey, there's a learning curve, man. There's a learning curve. <laughs> I've um, Fulu, if you want to kind of just, like, start off by, like, introducing yourself, where you come from, what you sure. do now, like, just kind of give us the gist. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, like you said, my name is Fulu. Um, I was born in Halifax. Um I've lived in a few places. I used to live in the States when I was younger, in North Carolina. Um, we've moved around a little bit because hey. of my dad's job. <laughs> but um, yeah. but um, yeah, when I was about four years old, um, we moved to Peterborough, Ontario. We've kind of just settled there ever since. Um, I went to undergrad at Queen's University, and now I'm here for law school. And I moved here to Halifax in... 2018 yeah so you were born here and then yeah. like, how long after did you move to North Carolina um I was like two okay so yeah I was like really young um I didn't live in NC for long but I mean we've been back to visit like many times you associate like Halifax as your home or would you say like I'm from Ontario or I'm from North Carolina I mean, I think it really depends on, like, who's asking. I feel like I didn't live in the States long enough to be, like, I'm American or anything like that. Um, but I definitely do think of Halifax and Peterborough as, like, my homes equally, you know? Like, we've been back here so many times while I was living in Peterborough. Now that I'm here for school, I do feel like yeah. it is, like, my home just as much as Peterborough is, too. I kind of had the same, not same upbringing, but in grade nine I moved to the states I went away for high school okay and I went to Vermont and cool. uh, so I grew up in Churro just like 45 50 minutes from here and then mm -hmm. and I moved to Vermont for high school to play basketball like just okay. boarding school and then my dad moved to Halifax so like whenever like I don't know you probably relate people like where are you from I'm just like I grew up here, I moved yeah. there, there, I live here, now I'm back over here. So it's like, it's always interesting to talk to people that have just moved all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Right, so mm -hmm. uh, nice. What, uh, what, what made you choose law school? Like, did you always know you're gonna be a lawyer? Like we asked, we asked uh, Shan that, mm -hmm. like, where did that come from? I feel like, I don't know, like, growing up my parents always wanted us to go into something that was professional and I think like a lot of kids from immigrant families can really relate you know like your parents really push you and they want you to be the best I think all parents do that like in general but I get what is, you're saying yeah no, for I, sure I, yeah for sure there is like a specific pressure um you know when your parents do come like here to Canada or to the states whatever for you to um kind of like attain this certain like level of education, this certain job. So like, there's just always kind of that joke, like it was either like a lawyer or a doctor and I 
like don't do blood so I was like okay like lawyer it is but in all seriousness I do I just have always felt like I've had kind of the skills to go into law you know like I've always been an advocate for other people like I'm pretty outspoken you know I'm comfortable like you know just interacting with people in front of crowds so yeah I kind of that just kind of pushed me towards that and I've I did my undergrad degree in poli sci so I've always sort of been interested in like the arts and reading and writing so it was kind of just like a natural fit for me if if you didn't feel that pressure from your from your your parents what do you think you would have gone into right like even yeah. though it would have been a direct pressure saying you need to be a, a doctor or a lawyer yeah it was still subconsciously there you could kind of feel it and they were kind of pushing you along but like all of that say you could literally do like the thing you do in your pastime or like in your free time as like where do you think you would end up or maybe you would end up as a lawyer I don't know I feel like it's really hard to say I've gotten this question before um but I always said that if I didn't go into law something that I would do is probably like teaching like I've always loved kids um and there have been a lot of teachers who I felt like in my past um, that have really shaped me and have been really good role models and mentors to me. So if I could be that for like another kid, I would love that for sure. I think something to do with relationships and dealing sure. with people and, and yeah. educating. Yeah. Okay. Where um, where uh, where did your parents immigrate from? They came from Nigeria. So they immigrated from Nigeria here when they were like their mid twenties, so a bit older than I am now. I can't remember like the exact. Yeah. year but it was like 80s slash 90s ish and you have do you have siblings yes I have an older sister she's 24 almost 25 wow. she... so so hold on um how old are you I'm 22 and you're almost finished law school at 20 you're gonna finish law school at 23 years old yeah so I skipped senior <laughs> kindergarten so I've like always been a year like Tristan, behind <laughs> take can you take that in right now like she, I know She's going to be a lawyer at 23 or 24. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking because I'm 22 now and I, was, yeah. I, I haven't even been out of school for a year. And now, yeah. you're, and now you're two years in law school. Yeah. So I feel like that's probably um, that's tough. Kind, of, kind of, I feel like that kind of ties into what you said in terms of your parents kind of, I'm sure they had a, like, you know what I mean? Like you started school, you skipped school or skipped kindergarten or something like you, sure. they kind of had a implemented a plan in a sense, like, mm. okay, like we're going to like, we're, if we're going to immigrate here, like we're going to make sure that like essentially our kids don't waste the opportunity that's going to, sure. they're going to be put in front of them. Cause like, I don't know, maybe describe, I don't know if you know, like, I don't know much about Nigeria in terms mm -hmm. of like society and like business and growing up, like, the difference in, in terms of like what Canada can offer and what they offer essentially for, for education or that kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I think that one of the biggest um, things is that there is a huge discrepancy between um, kind of just like what people think versus like the reality. So I know mm -hmm. that like, you know, both of my parents before they came here, they both got undergraduate degrees in Nigeria, but mm -hmm. because those credentials weren't really recognized here, they had to go to school again here, kind of like attain like another degree and then another degree, kind of just to be on like the same level as everybody else, 
which is something that I've seen like a lot of my relatives who have come here struggle through. You know, you'll see somebody here, like from any country really, come here um, and they'll have the credentials like in their home country to be like a doctor or a dentist, but they're doing a job here that's, you know, completely disproportionate to like their level of education. So, you know, my parents, they struggled through that and that's something that they really didn't want for us. So they were kind of just like, you I know, see. yeah, if you can get the education early, um, it'll you definitely like benefit you. Yeah. Yeah. Cut down on, cut down on time in school, essentially. Like exactly. Obviously learning, you know, school, like doing more school is, isn't like it helps, but at the same time, like why, you know, yeah. not saying it's a waste, but essentially it kind of is in a sense where it's like, okay, sure. why do the same stuff over? over um, exactly exactly well, that, that's really interesting mm-hmm. um i like I, I can i can when you said like immigrant parents like i have experienced like i i used to date a girl like whose par- parents were from ghana and they were very yeah. like the fir- i only met them once and they already had a plan for her younger brother like what yeah. he was gonna do he was gonna be a doctor and he was like yeah. looking at the table looking at me like across the table being like yo like <laughs> they're crazy like <laughs> yeah like I don't even have a choice what I'm gonna do right no. now it's, it's funny that Tristan asked you like if, if things would change like um it, right. but but again this kind of ties into um something that I've always talked about in terms of support and a support system at home like um uh like obviously that helps right like ha- sure. having two like they're both professionals they both have mm-hmm. you said they both have good jobs like mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's definitely helped you, um, say, like growing up and and being a visible minority and woman, like ha- like compared to like other other people in the same position that might not have that support at home? Like, just talk about how maybe how important that is to be able to come home and you know have direction, have some um, positive influence that can help you when you might not know where you're going. Yeah, definitely. So you know, both of my parents like. I was kind of too young to really realize, like at first, you know, just like a lot of kids, but they really, I mean, like to this day, I think that both of them would give me like the shirt off their back for me. Like my sister and I, you know, they've supported us really in every way possible. Um, I do feel like sometimes, you know, like you said, like it's a lot of pushing and it's a lot of pressure. Um, And you definitely feel that, especially kind of like on the financial side, like if somebody is paying for everything for you, you kind of feel like, okay, I have to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's something that like, you know, I'm really fortunate to have and super grateful to have, but um, it is a reality for a lot of kids that have um, parents that like expect a certain level from you. Like there's kind of no excuse. You can't say like, oh, I can't afford it because somebody else is paying for it, you know? So there's always kind of been like that pressure and that's always kind of like weighed in the back of my mind. But yeah, seeing um, like growing up in a house with two parents that have really good jobs and are both like successful in what they do um, has definitely been like a motivator too. Um, You know, my mom always has a saying like, you know, you're black, you always have to be twice as good you know because Mm. you can get passed over um for somebody who's white even though you have the same credentials the same everything so that's kind of always like been in the back of my mind too and that's yeah just something that 
I definitely think about like day to day and it influences my decisions as well. I'm, I'm sure you can't imagine what it would be like if your parents weren't uh, putting this pressure on you or, or weren't instilling this value of hard work because it's gotten you to where you are today. Like Definitely. even a mat or or like it always it always makes me think about the kids that are born into a family that has everything, right? Like as cool as someone may outside looking in, I think a lot of times people overlook the fact that these kids come from like kids who come from a wealthy, wealthy family don't learn the values of hard work because everything's just given to them. It's almost Someone outside looking in may look be like, man, they have it all. They have the best life ever. But then the kid in that situation is probably like, I don't have to work. They don't learn the value of hard work, right? Like, would you say being in the family situation that you came, like, grew up in, like, that's helped you? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I've seen my parents work. I mean, like night and day to provide for us. Um, you know, I was really young, but I do remember my mom um, getting her master's from a university in Alberta so that she could, you know, get into teaching. And now she's um, a prof at a college, like back in our hometown, you know, she used to teach at Trent University. So I've seen like, you know, and she was still raising us like with my dad, of course, and she was still working at the hospital, like as a nurse, doing the night shifts, you know, I've seen her kind of wow. balance it all. Yeah. And, you know, when you're younger, you kind of just think like, oh, whatever, like my mom's in school, she's working a job, like everybody kind of does this. But now looking back, like I'm in a professional program now, like you guys have said, and I cannot imagine having two kids and then also kind of working full time and like trying to balance a family and do everything like it's I I look back and I always say like my parents are my heroes and my role models because like I wouldn't be where I am today without them that just point blank period like I would not be the person that I am without them and without their they're pushing me for sure it's it's crazy to hear that because like you you read online um you know like forums or just like statuses about oh like immigrants like are doing this or like yeah. they're just they're just coming here for like free handouts or like yeah. you know what I mean like they're stealing our jobs and stuff like that like <laughs> that was your favorite <laughs> but but you but usually like when you actually like a lot like these stories are like like I'm not gonna say everybody did what your mom did because like sure. that's that's it's it's yeah like but but a lot of immigrants work like way harder than you know the average Canadian because mm -hmm. they you know, they gotta, they gotta right. put themselves, implement themselves into society and kind of mm -hmm. establish themselves as, yo, I'm here, like I'm contributing. Um, like I'm here for the right reasons. Like I, I did, you know what I mean? And I think mm -hmm. that gets, it's, it's crazy to hear. Cause like, that's, that's actually insane. Like what you just said, like, mm -hmm. you know, raising kids, working as a nurse and doing her master's like, yo, like that's, that's the 1% or the 0.01% yeah, of, of most people. And and I liked what Tristan taught, touched on because we, we kind of talked about this the other day is like the perception that, um, you know, coming from a, a wealthier family, like, oh, things are easier than what I have. Like I, but like, no, like there's the pressure, like that's another thing that kids like, you know, if you're coming from a, 
um, a family that you know, doesn't have that establishment in the professional world, like with parents and expectations and mm-hmm. pressures on being, you know, just as good or more like it's, it's again, like people listening that might not come from the same family that might look at kids like you when they're young and be like, Oh, it's so easy. Like they have so much money. Like they can just do it. She just, she doesn't have to do anything. Like yeah. it's easy. It's like, no, like you, you don't have somebody telling you like, if you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer. You're like, you're mm-hmm. like, you're like, we wasted our time. Exactly. Like, why did, why did I do my master's while I was raising you and working? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So exactly. people, there's that pressure that you talk about is, can be as equally pressuring as, you know, trying to avoid um, barriers growing up in a impoverished area. Like it's mm-hmm. the same, it's just a different perspective of looking at it. And I hope people mm-hmm. can listening to what you said, like, yo, like it's not, it's not easy, you know? Right. You might have, you might be able to like afford certain things that they can't, but you still have these pressures on you, like pushing mm-hmm. you, pushing you, pushing you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really interesting to hear. Thank you. Um, I wanna, I wanna touch on the fact that, like, why did you, why did you choose Dow Law? Because I'm like, there's so many, there's other law schools around the country. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess maybe we spoke about Halifax and Ontario. It was. Was that the reason why or like, was it the school, like friends? I think like like, when I was applying, first of all, I wanted to apply widely. Like I did the same thing for undergrad, you know, you kind of just want to apply everywhere because at the end of the day, like I'm an indecisive person, but I'd rather have too many choices than like none or like one or two, you know? So yeah, I definitely like, I applied here because, you know, I've, I'm I'm someone that's like kind of used to like moving around and stuff because I did that um, when I was younger. So I wasn't uncomfortable with the idea of going away from home. But after spending so much time in Ontario and knowing that like we had friends and family out here, I wasn't nervous to like kind of take the plunge and go to Nova Scotia. Like I was like, you know, I'll be fine out there just like I am um, in Ontario. Um, And then when I came here for my interview, so that was in like March, April of 2018. I loved the school. Like I loved the vibe. Um, Halifax as a city was beautiful. And I was just like, this is somewhere where I can really see myself. And yeah, I have no regrets. Like I haven't looked back since. So yeah. Interesting. Go ahead, Tristan. It's just, it's, it's so interesting to me. Like this isn't the first time I've heard people from Ontario, like love Halifax. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's crazy. Like I have, I have many friends that, that I went to St. of X with and like playing ba- basketball, like majority, there was a large amount of kids that were from Ontario and mm-hmm. a lot of them like say, man, I could see myself living out here oh, yeah. when I'm finished and done. And it's just amazing. Like it's almost heart heartwarming to hear that because me coming from here or like Nova Scotia, and spending a lot of time in Halifax. I just spent the last four and a half, five months in London, uh, England. Okay. And the reason I packed up and went there was because I just felt like I needed to get away from here and away from mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that process, I've had a lot of people like my brother or some some close family friends say like, "Why? Like, what is it about Halifax that you don't why are you why are you so eager to get out of here mm-hmm. and I, I understood it like my brother lives in toronto right now 
And whenever he comes back, he like if we're down on the waterfront, he's just like, you don't like this? Like, this is amazing. I wish I could move home. I wish I could move home. And I understand it. But to me, I just understand the importance of being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I knew that I was too comfortable here. But mm-hmm. um, it's just like – it's comforting to hear other people who aren't from here say how beautiful the city is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's something that I guess I could say I take for granted, but at the same time, it's nice to know that this is home. And whenever I come back home, like this is what I get to, to back to. So it's just, I just, I, that just rang in my head. The fact that like, here's another girl from Ontario who's falling in love with Halifax. Like yeah. there's nothing special about the city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, talking about uncomfortable, um, being, being a a black female, like I asked Shan this question too, like when you went Mm -hmm. to law school, like, did, did you feel like, did it, did you feel uncomfortable in terms of like the number and the representation? Like we, like, you you know what I mean? Like, or were you just kind of, was it numb because of Queens or because of high school? Like, was it just the same thing that you've been going through or like, um, like talk about, talk about that, like in yeah. terms of like, did, does that, is it, is it a, like for people that don't understand like law school and stuff, like what's the representation between like, you know, uh, minority and white, uh, you know, white people? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about Peter Rowe, but it's very white. Like, I mean, there was a point in time where, there were like I could count the number of black people like at my elementary school like on one hand like it wow. was yeah of a school of like 350 students and then when we got to high school like same thing you know and one of those people was my sister so like it's kind of just like it's just something that I've always been used to mm-hmm. um but you know like I guess you know being black it always it doesn't put a target on your back, but you always do feel like you have to kind of be better because people are watching you. Um, People are kind of maybe expecting certain things of you. So having you show up and prove them wrong, you know, that's always been super important to me from day one. Um, Same thing. Queens is also super, super white. Um, You know, I was fortunate enough to like meet some black people when I was at Queens and kind of like make those connections. But you know, for most of my life, like, majority of my friends have been white. Um, I don't really have, like, many Black friends, but that's just by virtue of, like, the places that I've grown up in and, like... Your environment. Exactly, and have gone to school in. Um, And so then when I came to law school, you know, I knew that the IBNM program existed because, like, I had initially applied to it. So I knew that, like, okay, there's going to be some Black people, but, like, the amount of representation was a lot smaller than what I had initially anticipated. Um, and I kind of like felt like immediately like, oh, you know, I really want to befriend these people and get close to these people um, because it's like, I've never had like a big group of black friends before. So I was like, this is kind of exciting to me. And it everybody was super nice. They were super open, like super welcoming. So I was really fortunate um, for that. But there was that pressure of, you know, I am black, I'm female, and I am like the youngest person in the room at all times. So yeah, like that was kind of a scary transition to walk into. And the age thing, like a lot of people 
people don't look at me and think like, oh, that girl's 22 because I've always kind of like looked older than I was. Um, you speak well too. Like you're, you're very well educated, which yeah. also is kind of like a, <laughs> you don't see it from a, a young person. So yeah. 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 It's like a maturity thing for sure. And I think like, I definitely, again, have my parents to thank for that and like my education and the things that I've seen, but you know, you, you do feel like people are kind of judging you always which is sad like we do judge people for what they look like before we get to know them but yeah I definitely coming into Dow Law was really scary because I was like you know I look different now I'm like a lot younger and from a different province like I've never had problems making friends but there is always like that anxiety you know yeah do you think it's affected uh you in any way through law school specifically like in terms of success or opportunities or co-ops and that kind of stuff or not really um I I don't know I think it's hard it's it's hard to say um yeah you you wouldn't know the other exactly I wouldn't really know like the other side of it you know um like I mentioned earlier I'm not in the IBM program so I don't have access well I didn't have access to things in first year um like tutoring and like the different presentations and things that they were able to um, attend. And, you know, I think that those definitely could have made a difference. But in second year, you know, I was still successful. I still got the job that I wanted, you know, in first year, I made a lot of different friends. In first year, the summer, I had a really good job as well. So I think that I was able to kind of forge a path on my own. Um, but I've definitely met a lot of really helpful people along the way that I definitely have to thank for my success, like at Dow and people that have um, been good mentors to me, been amazing references for me. So I'm, I'm grateful for them too. Um, and as I mentioned before, like, can you, can you mention the IBN, like I, IBM. You, yeah. Can you explain that and like, just tell people what it is essentially? Yeah. Yeah, so essentially, um, Dow is kind of renowned in Canada because no other law school really has this, but it was a program implemented like many, many years ago to um, increase the amount of representation amongst um, Indigenous, so African Nova Scotians um, and Indigenous persons, specifically like Mi'kmaq people, um, because those were groups that do um did and still do face a lot of persecution in the community you know we have Africville here in Nova Scotia so it was just like a really important initiative um that the school has implemented um like I said yeah just just to increase representation because there's kind of like this really big notion that um people that serve their communities should look like the communities that they serve so, you know, we don't just want like a homogenous group of lawyers. You want like diversity that actually reflects the community so that people can see themselves in you and feel like more comfortable. So, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause we talked about, we talked to, uh, you, you don't know her name. I don't think you know her name, Shelby Weaver. And she works for um, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. She works okay. for the Raptors now. And cool. she spoke about how diverse the Raptors organization is compared mm -hmm. to other organizations in the NBA and, mm -hmm. and spoke precisely about what you're talking about in that people 
it's, it's important to be diverse so that you can have, you know, everybody can relate to everybody in case, you know, somebody can't relate to a client. It's like, okay, go get so-and-so because they might have a better opportunity at making that person feel comfortable and, exactly. and, and, and feeling, and feeling uh, confident in the fact that they're, you know, especially in law that, you know, you're working for your client, not, mm -hmm. not the government mm -hmm. or what you, the person that you're going up against. So, yeah. um, uh, that's really interesting that um, that you say that. Um, what was I gonna? I was gonna. Do you, Tristan? Do you have anything or something I had on my mind? But I, it just went when I just spoke about that. Um, well, uh, I mean, we were we were talking about the program and the fact that you said Dow's like the only school that has this sort of initiative. Yeah, that's that you, that's that's exactly yeah. where I was headed. Yeah. So there are other schools. So basically, when you're applying, you can. Um, self-identify you know there's um, certain schools that have spots for people that serve in the army so like veterans um, there's other sc other schools that have places for um, persons with disabilities um, and then other schools that have places for like indigenous people mm -hmm. um, but Dal is the only school I'm I'm almost 100% sure that has like spots for um, like indigenous black people and Mi'kmaq people. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's also Debalsa, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, is that similar in a sense? So basically Debalsa is made up of um, same thing. Like it's like basically all of the black law students are in Debalsa. Um, but indigenous or no, um, no. So the indigenous okay. students have like a different group, but okay. we do a lot of different activities together. Okay. So the indigenous students, they have DILSA. So that's the Dalhousie Indigenous Law Students Association. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so Debalsa, yeah, it's basically just like all the black students. We do a lot of different, um, events at the school. Um, we did a lot for black history month, you know, bringing in different speakers, um, we do a lot of community outreach as well, um, you know, like bi-weekly or monthly meetings just to kind of check in um, with people. And then the upper year students, they also offer a lot of different like academic services to the lower year students. So just like being available to help with big exams or like assignments that they've gone through, you know, so that's been super helpful, but it is separate from like the formal IBM program. Does it... Um... Is it awkward? Like, is it weird that like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. you're part of, you're part of like that group, but not part of the other group. Like, yeah. I don't know if you want to like, sh like, no, no, this, it's like, it's totally fine. Yeah. And like, I have talked to Shan about this before. Um, it is definitely very awkward um, because, you know, they do a lot of things that we, because we aren't like in the program, we're not able to attend or not really invited to. Um, and then those are things that like kind of get brought up in the meetings and it's kind of just awkward. Right. Right. So and you it's guys kind are of, you guys are hearing like, Oh, like we, we did this networking yeah. event or we, yeah. we went here and you guys are just both kind of sitting there like, yeah. Yeah. It's really awkward. Pardon. You're not in the, you're not in the other program. No, I'm not in the IBM program. Um, but I am like a member of DeBalsa. So like sometimes it's just really awkward, like hearing that 
you know, they did this or that. And obviously, like, I didn't get the invite. It's kind of like when, you know, you're younger and all your friends talk about how they went to, like, a birthday party, but you, like, just fully didn't even hear about it. Like, it's kind of very similar. But then imagine that that happens, like, once a month type thing. So, like, it's definitely not um, the best feeling. <laughs> and is that just because there's a limited amount of spots in, in that group? Or they just... So... Like, um, when I interviewed, I interviewed for, so they interview everybody that, um, enters the program or like prospective applicants for the program. Um, when I interviewed, I basically got a call saying that I was accepted, but just into like the quote unquote regular category, I wasn't accepted into the IBM program, meaning that it didn't have to do, um, the requisite pre-law program in May that all of them have to attend. Um, and obviously, you know, you get accepted to like, your dream program, you're not asking questions on the phone, you're kind of just like, okay, thank you, like, let me go celebrate. Sure. So I never really got an answer as to why I wasn't accepted into the program. Um, it's something that I've kind of always been curious about. But again, you know, you're only in law school for three years, it is a very small building and school and community, you don't want to step on any toes. So I've kind of just like always been of that mindset. Yeah. I, I noticed that like when you said um, like your first year, like it was almost kind of like you you and just you and Shan, essentially, that the only two yeah. just out of, out of your year um, or yes. in the whole. OK, I would say I think it's honestly, I think it's in the whole school. Just you two. Aren't just part of that. Two. Yeah. OK. So and when I, I mean, initially met Shan, I thought that. Um, she was part of IBM, and I only learned like this year, like in 2L, that she wasn't. So I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, like more solidarity because before I really felt like mm. felt very singular. Um, and then kind of like meeting right. Shan, obviously it's a shame that we're both like not a part of it, but I kind of felt like, okay, this is somebody that I can like talk to about my experiences. This is someone right. that like knows how I feel and what I'm going through. It's like it's only if you were the only one not in the group and everyone else is talking about like you yeah. feel secluded it's definitely, definitely it's definitely a uh uh interesting kind of you know that your 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 uh role and the, the role of the program is to show representation in the field of law yet you're kind of excluding the only two like it's not like you're excluding 10 students it's, it's just it's definitely um really weird to to hear um, mm -hmm. but it's also one of those things like you spoke about first year like it's one of those things definitely that kind of weighed more on your mind based on what you said where it's like I'm missing out on like the tutoring or these these things that they get but now mm -hmm. it's almost like I feel like it's almost to you maybe to Shan it's almost like okay well like we we got to second year without the same you know the help it's almost like like I'm going to use this as motivation to be like I'm going to do just as good or better definitely, definitely. Knowing, knowing that like I you know it's important to have that but knowing that I could do it without it mm -hmm. and it's it, to me that's like almost what I got from it's like okay like it's kind of frustrating first year but like second year it's like okay like I you know I'm um, I'm more than capable like it might be the, the most annoying thing might just be like hearing like hearing about it when for sure you know when you're in that environment like you're with other people kind of thing for sure um so uh, I know Shan got hired at, at Stumac. Did you do, like, talk about the interview process for people that don't understand, like, 
yeah. what it's like like for kids like that are in university or first year university or or high school like yeah. you know what do you, what do you need to get ready for like if you decide to go to law school like what do you you know what's this interviewing and articling thing all about yeah yeah so um a lot of the people in my family have kind of gone like the medical route like i have a lot of doctors and dentists and like nurses healthcare professionals in my family you don't do blood I don't do blood. I do not do blood. So, like I said, you know, the law. Well, before you go, that is, was there like a, something that happened in your life where like no, you saw blood just, and you threw up or passed it out just or something? Disgust me. Like I can like do needles, whatever. But like when people like take my blood, just like staring yeah. at it in the vial, like it just is so disgusting to me. Like no disease and stuff. Oh my How god. How I am and like what's going on inside and yeah. like, don't want to know or think about it. I don't want to know or think about it. Like, I'm not running to the doctor unless there's something wrong, you know? Like, <laughs> not in a rush to go to the hospital. So, and like, even on TV shows and stuff, when they show someone like bleeding, um, I get like so, I feel like so lightheaded. Like, it just makes me so sick. But anyway, <laughs> that's besides the point. <laughs> um, But yeah, so I have two cousins that are lawyers. That's about it for like kind of the legal knowledge that I have coming from um, my family but one of my cousins that's a lawyer he was super um influential in like my decision to go to law school I saw him really thrive and really do well mm. as a lawyer so mm-hmm. it was just something that he was like you know if you want this you can definitely go for it and I'm super close to him he's definitely like one of my closest cousins so I like look up to him for sure I still do and I was like okay like I can do this so I knew about articling but um that was about it. Um, in first year, I had kind of heard like rumblings of like, oh, you know, law jobs, law jobs in the summertime. Honestly, I just kind of did it because I was like, I want to push out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm not running to go back to work in Peterborough. Um, so yeah, I was kind of just like, okay, well, if I want to stay in Nova Scotia, I need to get a job here. Like I can't just sit around all summer. My parents would be like, that's not happening. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, just try for jobs here. And then if I don't get one here, then like, I'll just go back to Ontario. No big deal. Um, so basically the school, we have a career development office, which is really, really helpful in, you know, just helping you figure out what you want to do. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about, lawyers is that they're very one-dimensional you know they all look the same they all act the same they all work at a firm and I am also guilty of like that misconception but being in law school I've realized that there are a lot of different routes that you can go you know there are quite a few people who go into academia there are people that want to work in-house for a company there are people that want to work at a firm there are people that just want to work for themselves so um, one of the best things about law is that it's really um, flexible. You can do a lot of different things with your degree. And that's like one of the reasons why I want to go into it. But yeah, the career development office, basically they post a lot of different jobs on the website and it's up to you to get your resumes and your cover letters ready. And um, that's something that they're super helpful with as well. Um, and then they do like on-campus interviews, which is basically all of the potential employers giving all of the prospective employees like a 17 minute interview some of them are completely structured like the government and some of them are entirely conversational like a lot of the firms in Halifax 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that experience in first year. and I ended up working for Dalhousie in-house. So for their legal counsel office, um, that was an amazing experience. Wow, I yeah. made a lot of really good connections there. I'm still really close with many of my bosses. Um, and it was kind of nice because like you go to university day in, day out, but you don't really realize, um, you know, how much goes into running like a university and what kind of goes in behind the scenes on like the administration side. So I have like a greater appreciation for that. Um, and that, yeah, the connections that I made there kind of reinforced the fact that like, I really want to work in Halifax. This is a place that I could see myself living. This is a place where I feel like I belong. Um, so fast forward to second year, I put out my applications for like the Halifax job market you know similar similar to university like just as much as you can like you said like keep as many options open okay exactly yeah so I applied um private and government um I think I've always kind of leaned more towards private but again I wanted to keep those options open um and I'm someone that like I get bored easily and like I'm not really sure like what exactly I want to do so I wanted to work at like a bigger firm a full service firm that could kind of give me like a taste of everything before I lock myself into like a particular area um obviously Stuart McKelvey has an incredible reputation um in the city in Atlantic Canada and beyond so they were kind of like my number one the whole time but of course like you definitely you want to keep those options open you know and there are a lot of other firms that were looking for students as well and those were firms that like I entertained, but there was always something about Stuart McKelvey that kind of like drew me in. So yeah, I did the interview process, which consisted of a first interview, um, a second interview in the office, um, and then a dinner. Um, then I ended up getting the call and I accepted and super happy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> hey. that's, uh, that's nice. So in your mind, Stumac is, is top of the food chain yeah. um, in terms of law firms in, in Atlanta, Canada. Definitely, definitely. So it's it, to, it feels like to you, it's like, okay, like, you know, like I'm going to the firm that I considered at the top. Like, I don't you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's, that definitely must feel good in, in a sense in terms of uh, not only like achieving that, but feeling good about yourself that you're part of that, that organization. For sure, for sure. Uh, and, and you said they're, they're they, uh, did, what, what did you say that made them, like separated them from others? Mm-hmm. Well, I think like, like I said earlier, um, one of the biggest things was reputation. So I had met quite a few lawyers um, when I was working for Dell, um, and then kind of just like through different networking events at school and outside of school that work for Stuart McKelvey or have worked with people from Stuart McKelvey, lawyers, etc. And, you know, just constantly hearing like, this is an incredible firm, people loving their jobs. Um, job satisfaction just kind of contributed to the overall idea of like it just being the best and it having like such an excellent reputation so that's obviously something that like I really wanted to be a part of Um, and also they are super super big into diversity and for a lot of different organizations and firms diversity is kind of just a buzzword but for Stuart McKelvey I felt like they really talk the talk but they also walk the walk Mm. you know um there were a lot of firms that I went to where there wasn't a single black associate there wasn't a single black partner what's that what's that mean to anybody that doesn't understand like law firms like 
Yeah. Explain so, that. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, when you first start off coming fresh out of school, you're an articling clerk, then you graduate after a year to becoming an associate. So that's just, like, okay. so what people think up. of as, like, a, a normal lawyer. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then after a number of years, um, you kind of prove yourself, and then hopefully you become partner. Um, so it kind of just goes from, like, clerk to associate to partner and then through that there's obviously like different levels you know you're a junior associate you're a senior associate you're a junior partner senior partner then there's like kind of the executive which is like the top of the top so managing partners ceos um cfos etc those are those are at the top of the food chain yeah other law firm okay articling can you explain that to me yeah yeah for sure so Articling basically is a 12 month. um, It's basically like a 12 month paid internship. So you're fresh out of school. The thing is law school. I mean, it really doesn't teach you anything about how to be a lawyer. We learn a lot of different things like what is a contract? You know, Mm -hmm. what is a personal injury? Like, you know, different things about like tax law and family law but you never get the opportunity to put those things into practice. And that's one of the biggest critiques of law school. So articling gives you the opportunity to kind of go through that 12 month intensive, like learning everything that you can and actually like getting your hands on a file. So during that time, you know, you go through different rotations. So basically one week you could be doing um, commercial law, And then the next week you could be doing corporate law. And then the week after that, you know, so you kind of do like a rotation, you see what you like and what you don't like. And then after that you get Mm -hmm. hired back. So that's kind of like when you join the firm as like an associate and that's after you write your bar exam or after you do your bar course and get called to the bar. Is is that frustrating to you? The fact that uh, law school doesn't really teach you the practice because I just studied marketing Mm -hmm. and I, with, with a marketing degree, but I'm now I'm sitting here and like, I know all the terms and all the, you know, the, the foundations of marketing, but to be honest, I, I wouldn't know what, like what a marketer does or what Definitely. the or within a, within a company, like I wouldn't know how to go about marketing, but Definitely. I know all about it. Like, is that frustrating for you? Yeah, it's super frustrating. And, you know, I know that the school does a really good job of um, allowing for practical experiences in third year. So you can do things like the legal aid clinic, um, there's a lot of different shadow opportunities if you want to kind of pursue those. But I really just wish that there was kind of like a built in practicum along the way. And I was really fortunate enough to have worked with an amazing family lawyer in my hometown for three summers before coming to law school. So I knew a lot about what it takes to be a lawyer and to work in an office and kind of what it looks like to run your own business. And sometimes I look at the things that we learn in class about like the history of law and really different like archaic theories. And I think it's really important to understand like, you know, the history of what you're studying because it kind of gives like a purpose to it. But I think it's even more important to actually get your hands on a case or a file and understand how those skills translate into like real life problems because at the end of the day like you know you can understand these things but if you can't put them into your into practice then your education was basically useless in my opinion i I totally agree interesting yeah 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 
really interesting um so so you were saying that like one of the big the biggest reasons that um you went to stumac is because like you could see yourself in those positions which mm -hmm. we talked about like higher up on the food chain of a law firm like mm -hmm. it made like it made sense like okay like if they're there i can get there whereas like the other firms not so much like you'd go look and it, is it would it be like what you well, most people don't understand just like old white men essentially yeah yeah and I know that, like, you know, the whole white men thing, it's something that you hear about, but you don't really realize. Like until how... you actually. Exactly, exactly. And it can be really intimidating because, I mean, like, I'm lucky enough that, you know, I am, like, in a pretty privileged position, like, being in law school. But I definitely know how it feels to walk into a room and feel like people don't take you seriously because of what you mm. look like. And I know that like a lot of different women experience that, um, but then like that compounds even further as like a black woman, like you, like I said before, you really, really have to prove yourself. And I felt like at Stuart McKelvey from day one in the interview process, they are just a firm that really values difference and they really value diversity. You know, the head of their, um, student committee, their recruitment committee was um, a really successful black partner. You know, one of their other super successful partners, she is chair of the board of governors at Dalhousie, a black woman. And that's someone that I definitely think of as a mentor, as a role model to me. She's someone that um, one of my bosses, um, another black woman introduced me to her in the summertime. So I kind of was like, you know, these are really successful people. And these, you know, if the firm is like, elevating them obviously they've worked really hard but it's amazing to see that I can kind of see myself in them and if they're like in these amazing positions why can't I be there one day whereas like at some other firms or offices you know you kind of you don't really want to say like hey where's the diversity because you're still looking for a job but you also sometimes feel like I'm going to be like that token person and you kind of worry like are they just going to hire me to like tout me as the person that's like hey like we have like a diverse person here so you kind of right you don't you don't want to be that either because then same thing like it's kind of the elephant in the room it's kind of awkward mm. um but yeah I've just always felt like Stuart McKelvey you know they're definitely best of the best for on the whole diversity front definitely like no doubt in my mind I, I think that's important what you say because we like Tristan when we were talking to T-Bear about how to um how to uh show show kids you know that don't look like um you know what we, what we say to kids that come from kind of what what, what we say the bottom of the food chain like a impoverished area mm -hmm. you need you need role models you need people that look like you can look up to and be like they look like me yeah and they're doing this so like i know mm -hmm. i can do it Mm -hmm. Rather than what you're saying, like when you walk into a room with people that don't look like you and you kind of feel like you're like, you is, this, is this for me? Like, do I belong yeah. here? Yeah. So it's really important that you say, like, that's one of the main reasons why, like, you choose somewhere. And it's great to like that you're kind of in this position where you're going to mm -hmm. be able to kind of show other people, listen, like you, you can do this. Like, if I can be here, you can be here. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really important um, you, to know that. Um, and, and that kind of is going to, like, I want to come back to some, some stuff you talked about, but the, mm. what, what you're talking about in terms of the, the interview and the, the firm, um, you know, identifying, um, 
it leads me to another area and it's kind of like um being being a a black female do you feel like we spoke about this with somebody else um we talked about to t-bear that he was you know he was he's really well known in nova scotia for for being an amazing basketball player and athlete mm -hmm. And we talked about a friend of mine who's really well-educated, really smart, and nobody really knows who he is because he's, he's, you know, he's exceptional in school, not sports. Uh -huh. Being, being a black woman, can you, can you like talk about like, did, do you play sports? Did you play? I know that you played, like we played softball this summer on, yeah. the, on the team together, uh, like a fun, just kind of like a, just like a yeah. like shit, shits, shits <laughs> and giggles, like let's yeah. get together, have, like, do, do some like a minor activity and, yeah. and laugh. But like, did you play sports? Do you identify with sports? And yeah. um, how has that affected kind of, do people like, has anybody just assumed that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Talk about that aspect of, of like being black and being in school and what's mm -hmm. kind of expected and wh why people may like, you know, um, mm -hmm. just, just kind of what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is something where, you know, women are kind of not as disadvantaged as men on this front. You know, this is something that like I've seen with my dad a lot, but yeah, growing up, I definitely was super, super into sports. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I have an older sister, but she was kind of like a lot more reserved. You know, she wasn't as into sports and as into athletics as I was. Um, I tried a lot of different things growing up, you know, in elementary school and high school, I was always on like the basketball teams and the volleyball teams. Um, I, yeah, so I played basketball, kind of just like recreationally. Um, I also swam a lot. Um, tried a, I tried a few different things like throughout Quite, the year. Like, can yeah. I, can I um, you said you swam a lot. Like where a lot of, I know you already said your community, like Peterborough is white. But yeah. like, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say running joke, but a lot of friends of mine that are, that are yeah. um, black always say like, well, like, I don't want to go swim or like, yeah, yeah. So it's just that kind of, it's it, interesting always. for me for for you to say that like yeah yeah my mom was like you know just swimming is like an incredible skill and I always say like when I have it kids, is they're gonna need to learn how to swim like it's literally just so important um but yeah I my sister and I we were both really good at swimming and I know it's like a running joke for a lot of people like oh black people can't swim mm -hmm. and like that's something that like I've heard from a lot of different people and like I mean a lot of black people can't swim that well like my parents can't really swim, um, but my sister and I definitely can. I'm not like the strongest swimmer ever, but like, mm -hmm. you know, I can. You could survive if you got thrown into. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And like, I do enjoy like the odd dip in a pool, but I'm not like, you know, water sports aren't like my huge thing. Like mm -hmm. I'm not rushing out to like go wakeboarding or something like that, or like just go for a swim, mm -hmm. you know? But soccer was like always my main sport. Um, I started playing recreationally when I was like, seven or eight so kind of like a little bit older than most kids now you know there's kids now that are like three and four they're picking up the ball mm -hmm. um I fell in love with it right away um and my parents were kind of hesitant to mm. competitive soccer because my mom you know she's always been really focused on like the book. academics like, exactly like the I school see that. Important. yeah and she like when she was growing up she didn't play sports but my dad has always been like really athletic and you know they played 
soccer, just like in the streets and stuff growing up. And mm-hmm. he always liked basketball and he's super into football and golf and like just he loves sports and like loves athletics. Has always thought that that like that part of life is like really important. So there was always like that kind of tension. And that's one of the reasons why like, you know, there are a lot of girls out there that don't have like a really close relationship with their dad. But sports is like something that my dad and I have always had in common. So I, I find that like, I can, we relate to each other, like on that front. Um, He's always kind of been like a coach of many of the teams that I've played on. You know, I played reps starting from like age 11 or 12 up until I was like 20, like basically up until I came um, out to Nova Scotia for school. So he's coached like most of those rep teams and he plays soccer himself. And like, like I said, like did when he was younger. So um like I I've always said like I've kind of gotten like that skill from him and he knows what it looks like to to be good and to have those skills so I really look up to him and you know he's helped to train me a lot so yeah I think that like yeah like I said like sports is something that we've just like really had in common always but just going back to your question quickly Will um I don't feel like people have been like oh she's um black so sports is like the only thing that she does like I think that Mm. people have always known me to be somebody who is really well-rounded like is super athletic and is really smart as well and is a people person so I don't feel I don't really feel that um as much as I know that like a lot of other black men do if that makes sense yeah it does I mean I'm I'm only saying that for like essentially like as if you're talking to a younger version not even a younger version, like a younger woman mm-hmm. similar to you, um, like telling them or, or, or guy for that matter, being like sports doesn't have to be your only role. Like, you know Definitely. what I mean? Like, like you, you can use your brain. You can, you can still be athletic. You can still like play sports, but, but also like you can also further your growth with mm-hmm. education. And I think mm-hmm. like, that's kind of like where I was getting at. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, you're kind of like you love sports but like are you transitioning more to like loving law and kind of loving like where school taking you yeah yeah essentially Mm -hmm. and I definitely think that like you know captaining teams being on a number of different um competitive teams I mean sports and like athletics and just fitness teach you so much about yourself as a person and I've definitely like gleaned a lot of different skills from Mm -hmm. being involved in soccer Like, I mean, we talk about, especially like, you know, going back to competing for jobs, we talk about what it means to be, to have discipline and to be hardworking and to be a team player. And a lot of the times people kind of just use those as buzzwords, Mm -hmm. but you actually get out there and you meet different people that don't have good work ethic. They don't know what it means to be a team player and they don't really have any discipline. And like I said, like, those are just things that I've Mm -hmm. learned from sports, you know, you are in school, but you're also on a competitive soccer team, you have to travel for six hours that evening, but you also have like four hours of homework, you know, you got to do what you got to do, you to make it work, you have to balance both if you want to do both. And I always knew, like, in my house, you know, if the school sliding, like soccer was going to be the first thing to be taken away, like Mm -hmm. by my mom, because she's like, well, you know, you're not here for soccer, like you're here to do school kind of thing. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So there was always kind of like that too. Um, you, you said, uh, do, you, do you find playing on a, playing on teams helped you 
be better at networking? Because you talked a lot about networking um, your first year at your job. And Mm -hmm. from my understanding, we always hear that in high school, kind of in university, like it's so big to network, but like, it's one of those things that it's, it's kind of, like you said, it's uncomfortable to kind of just like, yeah. do you feel like you, this, the sports aspect helped you? Um, but like, obviously being in law school, like it's, it's one of those things where like, you're going to sink or swim, like, mm-hmm. and essentially like, if you don't network, like you're kind of, right. you're just essentially putting yourself kind of further down yeah. compared to, do you, do you find that helped for like for you? Yeah. For sure. I've always been someone that doesn't really have a problem like talking to other people. Like I'm definitely kind of blessed that way. Like I'm a natural extrovert for sure. Like I'd say like my whole family is, but yeah, networking in law school was really big and it wasn't really something that I had a lot of experience with um, in undergrad doing poli sci, but you know, in sports, you learn that if you want to be better, you have to take initiative and networking is kind of the same thing if you want to meet someone you kind of have to take that initiative to make the first step or make the first move like a lot of people liken it to dating which sounds really funny but like you know if you want to meet that person you have to put yourself out there like it's just it couldn't be more true for networking and I think just like you know there's that quote like in order to be a good leader you have to first be a good follower and I think mm. that that's like, it's really important too. You know, you learn that in sport, you know, not everybody on the field or on the court can lead all of the time, you know? And sometimes like, even as a captain, you have to step back or, you know, For that sure. role in that particular game or play isn't as important. And, you know, knowing in a networking situation, when to really turn it up or when to dial it back and let somebody else kind of take, take the reins on the conversation is really important and it's those little skills and nuances that of course sports teach you but it's something that you know when you master those it really puts you ahead of the competition it puts you like you know well as you as you like to say like it puts you at the top of the food chain it makes you stand out for sure mm. Mm. I, I lo- what were you gonna say I just love to hear that because it just yeah. speaks to prove that it doesn't matter what level sports you play mm-hmm they're so valuable and they, you still learn the same, the same values and skills. Definitely. And I just love to hear that because I'm, I'm obsessed. I was literally going to ask you that question. I'm so glad yeah. that you just went into it. Because it's <laughs> yeah. So apparent. It's just, it's just, it makes total sense when you mm-hmm. see an athlete stop playing sports and yet we're still drawing from what, what, what we learned during it. It's just, it, it, it's not failing in, in each of these different episodes that we've had sports always comes up that people oh, yeah. are thankful that they played mm-hmm. and and they still use it no matter what mm-hmm. i i like how you said um being being a team player is important can you explain to people that are listening and might be like well like what about you like can you explain to people that being a team player doesn't necessarily mean that you're holding yourself back or you're you're um, not trying to improve individually because I think that's something that gets um, washed away in either mm-hmm. business and organizations or in sports where like people are like, well, I want to be the best. Like you can still practice and, and work on being the best while still being a great team Absolutely. player. Because mm-hmm. to me, to me, like it, I'm going to get you to follow up on this, but to me, like when we talk about top of the food chain, um, 
in my opinion, like you're not top of the food chain if you're a shitty human being. Like you're mm-hmm. like Donald Trump. Like he technically is top of the food chain in terms of like politics, but he sucks as a human being, which means mm-hmm. like I, you, there's no respect. There's no. I don't like it. To me, whatever he says is almost like moot because it's just like you, you yeah. suck. And and to compare like LeBron James, who's essentially top of the food chain, mm-hmm. you do respect him because his his what he's telling you like it 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 is exactly what you see of him mm-hmm. on the court you know what i mean you see a guy that's like powerful skilled he he dominates but he's also dominating with his words and with mm-hmm. who he is as a person off the court so like can you can you talk about that because like i think that kind of gets that kind of gets uh washed away sometimes like just being being great at something and being a terrible terrible person is not like it does it doesn't put you at the top yeah definitely and I think that that's like a misconception too with the idea of teamwork that you have to kind of wash away into the background that you can't be the best that you can be Mm. but being the best that you can be like helps push your team forward Mm. so it's kind of like you know everybody has that responsibility to always be the best that they can be and like you know, if you can reach the top, like, why wouldn't you? I always, I've always said, and like, my parents have always said, like, you can have it all. Like, that's like one of my main mottos. That's something that I live by every single day, something that I genuinely believe. And like, I tell my friends too, you know, I don't think that, you know, you have to sacrifice certain things Mm. to, to have it all. I think that if you work hard, you know, you can really have anything that you want. And, I think like part of teamwork is also understanding that like, you know, even if you as a singular person is doing really well, you have to acknowledge the fact that like, you didn't really get there by yourself. Like I know that I'm doing really well right now. I'm, I'm where I want to be, you know, et cetera. But like I said earlier, I wouldn't be here without like my family, my friends, like my mentors. Um, like I have a team of people supporting me, you know, it's not just, me, 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 I, I, I all the time. And you can really lose sight of that, especially as you start to get more and more successful because you're like, wow, look at me. Like I'm really, I'm doing it all, but you cannot remember, like you can't forget where you came from for sure. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tristan, you want to ask like what we always ask? Uh... Yeah, exactly. We, we, we always make sure in, um, because this is, the top of the food chain podcast and, and everything that Will's brand, you know, represents, we always mm-hmm. like to ask no matter who our guest is, like what does top of the food chain mean to you and how does it apply directly to your life? Mm-hmm. So when I think of top of the food chain, I just think of being the best that you can be, you know, we're all obviously differently abled people. We all have different skills and abilities and talents but if you're being your best trying your best every single day giving it your all you know there's no reason as to why you can't reach like an incredible level of success so for me like you know getting to the top it's not something that happens overnight but mm-hmm. i think it's something that can happen for everybody you know if if you really want it i feel like it can happen yeah does that make sense? I feel like I'm like tripping over my words, but like no, <laughs> it literally just ties into everything you represent and what what you've already told us, shared with us. Like yeah, 
you can have it all. Why limit yourself to one spot or like continually, continually uh, raise the bar because mm-hmm. it's just like the sky's the limit. You just go, mm-hmm. just go for it. Uh, I, I, I like it because um, we talk about, I say the top of the food chain doesn't really like once you reach the top, essentially like and i'm not there don't get me wrong like a lot of people that might follow my page might think like this guy's so cocky like he thinks he's like like listen like i'm far i'm far from being like the top of where i can be Mm -hmm. like i have a lot to learn like physically but also a lot to learn like knowledgeably as well but Mm -hmm. one thing i say is like once you reach the top like there's no ceiling to the top because you Mm kind of understand like what you're capable of you know what i mean like there's no like you said there's no limit like once, once you say, once you get into Stumac and once you start moving up, you start realizing like, man, like I'm so capable of doing mm-hmm. so much. And like, I'm yeah. so grateful to see where I've come from. Like mm-hmm. you said, like that is, that's essentially like the journey of, of, the, of going to the top is, is looking at, that's the, that's the beauty of it is looking to see how far you grow throughout mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't, I don't believe like, I don't think you can really put a, put a limit on it because you might say like, I want to be, you know, CFO of, of law firm by the age of 45. And mm-hmm. you might, you might get there at 42, you might get there at 49. But once you get there, you might be like, yo, like I'm so, I can still do more. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. that for people listening, like, I like what you said. It's just like, it's a constant, like bettering yourself. Like there's no, it doesn't end. No, I mean? mm-hmm. So I really like that answer. I think that's uh that's important for people to understand. Um, um, do, do you, uh, here, here's another question quickly. Um, so you, you played soccer. Do you still, we talk about, we talk to people that, you know, played sports and, and what, what not did, was there a point where like, once you moved here and started law school, like, did you keep up with, since you weren't playing soccer anymore, did you, do you have a regular kind of like routine where you stay active or like, how does that, how does like, Fulu in the gym or Fulu in anything work in terms of fitness? Yeah, I think like one of the things that, you know, I really let slip when I came to school was definitely my fitness. And I feel like it's sad because I went from working out like four to five days a week in soccer to like basically, I don't know, just like doing nothing. And I've always been someone that like, I like to work out outside or like I like to like walk or jog. But I feel like you just get really wrapped up into, like, the whole academics thing really quickly. Yeah. So it's, like, it's really hard. And then you get, I don't know, you kind of feel really guilty. And, like, you you reminisce, especially for some of my friends back home that have, like, gotten to continue soccer because, like, they stayed back home for school or whatever. Um, but, yeah, getting back into fitness is, like, something that I always think about. But, like I said, like, it's just so it hard at school. Yeah. It'll... Yeah. It'll happen for sure, for sure. But no, will I always like see you working out on your page and stuff. And like even just doing these at home workouts, it kind of just reminds me that like, you know, you don't need to go to like the biggest, fanciest gym to like be the best. Like you can literally do things with no equipment, like in your living room and things like that. So that's definitely something that like I'm going to try and like tap back into because I mean, like when I was playing sports and was super active, like you know, my body and like my mental well-being were better than ever, you know, like it's crazy what exercise can do for your health. And like when you look good, you feel good because like 
so you true. look in the mirror and you're like, I'm so fit. Like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. my body's like looking the best that it's ever looked. And like, that's an incredible feeling. You honestly feel like you have it like all together. So yeah, I think that's like definitely something that I've let slip by the wayside, but I know that it's like, super important to live like a healthy active lifestyle for sure it's it's definitely a double-edged sword especially like in terms of your profession because it's like like the 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 knowledge like the 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 brain side of things like I'm becoming like so knowledgeable like my Mm -hmm. education like I feel so much smarter it's like because that's also top of the food chain so it's like it's not like you're giving up like you're just cutting out fitness cold turkey to to be in the same spot like you're still Mm -hmm. you're still improving in another facet of your life Mm-hmm. And I like I like what you said because it is it is really important for people to understand like fitness is more than like it's also what you said like looking good feels good like there, mm-hmm. it's no that's it's just it's yeah. a fact like you know it, I mean? yeah yeah but but also it it does it does uh, just just moving makes you feel better and mm-hmm. I think it's important for people to understand like you know you're still in good shape and that it's important for people to understand like just cause you might like look good and you're not doing much. Um, it's still important to like, know that like inside, like you still got to keep things, mm-hmm. keep, keep yourself in a, uh, in a healthy, uh, state, mm-hmm. uh, bo- state of body, because especially with what we're going through right now, like this kind of like reminder that for our, us at our age, like it's like, okay, like I'll, most likely I'll be all right. But it's yeah. like, if this happens, 30 years down the road when I'm 50 or 60, like, am mm-hmm. I going to, am I putting myself in a position to be more at risk mm-hmm. or am I putting myself myself in a position where I'm going to stay on the food chain and keep, keep improving and not worry yeah. about like, Oh my God, like I let like 20 or 30 years go. And, and mm-hmm. why'd I do that? Like, I no, know I really yeah. like, yeah, exactly. So I really, you know, that's a, that's a great answer Thank you. in terms of what you gave. Um, yeah, no, I just want to say, like, listening to your story and, and kind of uh, getting to know you, um, it's just so apparent and, and it makes me feel so good that how much you um, acknowledge your upbringing mm-hmm. and your team around you um, and just the values you learn from um, your your own story. And, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's just like that. that's what sticks out to me the most about you is you understanding where you came from and all the steps that it took to get to where you are now. And it didn't mm-hmm. just happen quickly and yeah. you, haven't, you haven't forgot that. So it's just, that's, I just want to let you know that, that just having this conversation with you, it, it really stuck out to me. Um, and it's, it's just that much more important to just remember where you came from and all the yeah. hard work that you put in. So I just yeah. want to say thank you. Oh my gosh. Um, thank you guys. I'm, I'm going to ask one more question yeah, that, com- sure. that comes from this. Um, being okay so i don't i don't know how to like being a uh say being a black woman mm-hmm. and being being around like have you ever like when you went to dala and you were around the people in ibnm so mm-hmm. did you ever feel like or even in life like have you ever felt like since your parents are successful and like based on like you know systemic uh racism and and society through like the last like 40 years in canada like I'm not going to say there's not like successful black families, but like in terms of like compared to white, like, you know what I mean? Like the numbers, the numbers aren't the same. Did you ever feel mm-hmm. like when you're introducing yourself or your story, like were you ever, I don't want to say like not a shame, but like when you hear other people's like 
journey might be a bit different in terms of like their their struggle compared to yours did that ever like be like i don't want to like like say like i'm rich or like I'm yeah. well, like wealthy like did that ever play on you at any point like definitely definitely and i think that like you know sometimes I just, like I said earlier, like I'm super extroverted person, you know, but I also like to consider myself like really down to earth and really genuine. Um, And I feel like sometimes, you know, when people find out, like when they look at me, you know, I'm like the average girl, whatever. And then they kind of find out like what my parents do. And then there's like these certain connotations in my head that either like I'm just super spoiled or like, I'm really snobby. And like, those are things that are just absolutely not true. Like, sure. My parents were able to give me things when I was younger that a lot of different kids didn't have super grateful. You know, I understand these things as you guys know. Um, But yeah, there were definitely times in which like, I would hear that someone who looks just like me had a completely different story, had like a lot of different struggles getting to where they are. Um, And then part of you like kind of feels bad, but then, you know, you have to remember that like everybody's kind of book is different and everybody's Mm. story to get to where they are is different. And like, I shouldn't be ashamed of, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that like I grew up or the choices that my parents made um, because of like where I am. But yeah, that's a really good question. That's like something that I do think about a lot because, you know, you don't, you don't really like to like tout certain things or like put certain things in people's faces. Cause you don't want them to think any differently of you, especially like mm. if you just met somebody. Um, but yeah, that is something that's like kind of weighs on my mind sometimes. It's uh, I, it just came to my mind because um, you know, like I feel like there's friends that I know that are, that are, um, that are uh are black and but they're they're wealthy and then some mm-hmm. other friends that are black that are completely poor and it's mm-hmm. like sometimes I've heard comments like that person's not black or because like they like you know they didn't have the same they're not as much of an underdog in mm-hmm. terms of what you know what society deems black mm-hmm. you know like coming coming from the hood or like mm-hmm. having no money or only having one parent so like uh, it just came across my mind like you know what society kind of makes this view of of uh you know what what it is to be black or african canadian or Mm -hmm. american or something so like i just wondered like you know did it cross your mind like because it's like you said like we don't get to pick who who our parents are not at all we don't get to pick what our voice sounds like like what we look like Mm -hmm. we we you come on the food chain as is like you Mm -hmm. that's that's life you know what i mean so it's nice to hear you say like yeah it's it's definitely something that um that I've thought about or you know that's that's been in my mind before because yeah, sure. to, to to people listening like you know I have a lot of white friends I have a lot of black friends like you hear a lot of different things like you hear a lot of perspectives on on other people without them really like you know knowing them or without ever being walking in their shoes mm-hmm. so I think it's important for you to say like at the end of the day like I'm proud of like having you know ha- having parents like mm-hmm. raise me the way I am I shouldn't yeah. be I shouldn't be like just because Ashamed. somebody else's story is different I shouldn't be scared to say like yo this is who I am mm-hmm. it's nice to hear you say that because there's definitely I, I, I you know there's got to be other people um that are in the same position mm-hmm. kind of ties into the same thing where it's like you know being being uh privileged in, t- in terms of like economic like you know um support 
doesn't mean that like you know you worked any less harder than somebody exactly. that might have came from a different background or exactly or, and I think that's important for people to understand like just because you come from those backgrounds doesn't doesn't necessarily mean um life is easier mm-hmm. and and like you said there's pressure on you from a young age like yo you're going to be a doctor or lawyer like you know if, if my mom had said that to me I would have been like you know maybe maybe she I mean she de- definitely did but it's like one of those things <laughs> where it's like it's one of those things that like you know, people might not know, like I, I was the first, um, first out of my parents and my brothers, I have two brothers that are both older than me. I was the first one to graduate from undergrad. You know what I mean? So it's like, people might not look, know that looking at me because like, again, what you say in society, it's like, okay, like everybody, every white family, like probably has a university degree, Mm. has done this, like they're, you're most likely successful in some way, but like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's one of those things that like, you, you think about, like, I, it's never crossed my, like, I mean, maybe it's crossed my mind at sometimes with some of the friends I met in the South end where it's like, okay, you've, you've had it easier. Like your dad gives you like, you, you get allowance. Like I've never gotten allowance in my life. Like people mm-hmm. might think I've gotten allowance cause I'm white, who knows, but just those things that like mm-hmm. you, you prejudge without really talking to the person. Yeah. Asking them, knowing about them, like li- learning those things. Right. Uh-huh. So I, I definitely think it's really important to un- for people to understand. It's like just because you have these privileges doesn't necessarily mean, right. you know, your story is easier in any. Exactly. In any, right. Um, so uh, I think it's it was nice to, to kind of touch on that. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. No. Um, no but, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Thank you again just for sharing your story because of course. we'll just exemplified the importance of uh storytelling and to, to get an inside look at people so we don't prejudge so mm-hmm. thanks for coming on That's, uh, thank you for having me for us and uh yeah like thank th- thanks for joining uh <laughs> no problem this was kind of anybody listening like this was never like really really planned like we we did chan yeah. and we you, we usually kind of ask guests like or or, or discuss like people in in our chats and when people come up like you came up i think with shan like um we sometimes will be like oh maybe it'd be interesting to talk to that person mm-hmm. like, i met you i met you via the softball um, yeah. team this summer and i and obviously like dating shan like i hear hear about you a lot mm-hmm. um so it was really nice to actually kind of like get to know you mm-hmm. get to know your story and like how you're climbing the food chain daily and mm-hmm. uh what it means to you because again People need to understand, like, top of the food chain is is more than just a fitness um, brand. It's a wellness, yeah. it's a mentality, it's a mindset of just yeah. being a better person. Like we said, like not not only professionally, but you know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was nice. Loved loved having you on. It was Thank really you. good conversation. Is there anything you have any any questions or anything you want to add or or to, for either of us or or before we uh, kind of sign off? We always no. ask our guests. I don't think so. This has been great. Like I feel like a celebrity almost. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you killed, killed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank right. you. Good luck with everything. Oh, right. wait, wait, one more, one more thing, one more thing. Um, how is how is coronavirus and COVID nineteen affecting your life and um, maybe your parents? Like in terms of because uh, it is really relevant. Like this is a time that we're all going to look back on like later on in life, be like, man, that was crazy. Like, do you yeah. remember when just the world shut down? So like, how's yeah. it, 
how's it affecting your routine or like the, the structure of your life and your and your families? Yeah, I mean, being away from home right now, I'm definitely like super worried about like my family all the time. You know, I know that like everything's gonna be fine, but you know, you worry about like the people that you love, like the people closest to you all the time. Um, I know that both my parents are both working from home right now, which is like a huge shift because um, they're used to like being at work every day from like eight to five. So I think them being at home is kind of like strange. Um, And my mom, like, like I said, she's a prof. So she's had to get really used to like teaching online and like using a webcam and things like that. So I think like everybody's kind of adjusting in like their own ways. I know that like for me personally, trying to focus on like writing exams and doing assignments and things Uh, like that. Yeah. It's just seems kind of like, I don't know, kind of seems fruitless because it's like the world is literally like been turned upside down. Like my major paper doesn't really matter that much. Shouldn't really matter that much right now. Like I understand that like, you know, things have to go on, but we're in an unprecedented time. And I kind of wish that that was like reflected in the way that we were able to sort of move forward with like our final exams and assignments and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, you kind of roll with the punches. Like Mm. it's a little, it's a little disappointing to hear and see that like, we'll still be graded on like the same scale, not really paying mind to like the things that, that, yeah. That came out. Like they, they told you it's. I mean, they're still kind of like in the process of it, but like, you know, you hear things from people that are like kind of close to like everything that's going on. And as of right now, like we have been given extra time for like our exams, but you know, that's kind of not, it's, it's just not. It doesn't really do justice to what's going on. It's exactly, like, exactly. It, it's like uncharted territory. Like the world hasn't really dealt with anything like this in no. like over a century. Yeah. Probably. And you guys are expected to just, you know, get a couple extra hours and, and, do your exams as if the world right. isn't shut down like right which right. is that's it, a really like you said it's one of those things that either way you're gonna have to deal with so it's also a great lesson for people listening like that are growing up and that you know have have challenges that they, they can't you can't control like mm-hmm. essentially you're saying like i'm not a fan like i wish they uh you know they used maybe some common sense and some some actual reasoning in terms of how they do this but at the end of the day like you just are gonna have to control what you can control which Mm -hmm. will be how you do and how you study essentially definitely interesting yeah well thanks guys thanks for coming on yeah no problem no problem that's it signing off all right sounds good i'll talk to you later thanks fulu bye bye Thanks for tuning in to TOTFC Podcast. If you liked it and you want to hear more, please share it with a friend, a family member, a teammate, or anybody. Like the video, consider subscribing to TOTFC Podcast.